You've been filled with anticipation and apprehension nearly every moment leading up to tonight. You haven't been in the dating game for a while. You never felt you could spare the time for seeking out that happiness among all the other things demanding your attention. Of course, you never really expected to be totally enamored like this either. It's only been a few dates, but you've really started to feel a connection. You feel you've been smiling more in the past few days than in the past couple of months combined. So when you got that text for a movie night right after work, it's like, fuck yes, I'm there. The cold night air hits you walking out the theater doors and you realize you were just asked if you wanted to go someplace a little more quiet. Eyes lock, mouths curl, and the very idea is shrugged off like a joke until you catch that look from them again as you go to open the car door. You both draw in close. The drive off the freeway and onto the side of the road turns into a blur of banter, excitement, and a feeling of exposure you long to feel with someone else. The old brakes of the station wagon squeal to a halt in a remote parking lot and both of you adjourn to the back seat and begin to intertwine. With the deed done, you pull away and settle in the center of the car's bench seat. You're still tingling all over, and the memories of the light touches and heavy breaths can't help but send new shudders coursing through your body. You admire the moonlight licking the skin of the person next to you. Their face smiles at you, sending you swooning, but quickly you notice a flutter in their eyes. A flurry of arms quickly occupies your lap as your date grabs the center seat belt and ties you down against the full leather upholstery. In a panic, you grab at the knot and try to free yourself, but you feel a firm hand lock around your jaw and forcibly turn your gaze out the window. You feel your voice fail and crack as you inhale when you see a blurry figure emerging from the tree line. A tall woman in a torn white dress with long, stringy brown hair is stumbling slowly towards you. You catch a glimpse of the eyes, though, dark and empty. The cold stare meets yours, and then you see the woman's mouth open to reveal a bloody mess of teeth and decay. This thing is after you now, an uneven voice hisses into your ear. I gave it to you so it wouldn't be after me, but if it catches you, I'm next. And you don't want it to catch you. All you have to do is sleep with someone else and just pass it on down. Even as the car peels out of the parking lot, you can see the shrinking figure still following, still creeping toward you with every moment. Could you use someone, mark them for death with a night of passion? Do you run? What are you prepared to do if it comes after you? I want to hear you scream. It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We'll tear your soul apart. Podcast of the Dead. Hello, everyone. This is Podcast of the Dead, the podcast about all things horror-related. I'm Zach Palmer. Sitting next to me is Isaac Wright. Oh. And joining us, of course, perpetually via video conference <laughs> from England, is Chrissy Beetle. All right, lads. <laughs> this week we're talking about uh, something not from last century. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about it something follows. Something modern? Something modern. Uh, yes, but uh, before we talk about that, of course, of course, we have to talk about some... What is it? Horror, Horror news! news. <laughs> uh, y'all sound better with Echo than I do. So. 
Okay, so first piece of horror news is, uh, of course, a big one. Uh, John Carpenter turned uh, 71 uh, on... Happy birthday, John. On the 17th of January. Uh, happy birthday, 16th. John. Was it 16th the 16th of... The yeah, tweet. The tweet was on the seventeenth, but I guess his his birthday must be the sixteenth. Yeah, it's supposed to be the sixteenth. Sixteenth, it is then. All I gotta say is keep making music, John. Your movies are good. Keep writing fucking music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keep doing your thing. We yeah. love you. Yeah, we love you so much. <laughs> Thank you for all the entertainment hours you've given us. For sure. In other big name news. We got Tom Savini is releasing a line of masks with the Trick or Treat Studios. You know that everyone knows Trick or Treat Studios for their killer clowns props. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Their their Halloween masks. You know they they've got some of the best masks in the game, especially for cosplay. And then what did, what did Tom Savini design again? Just for those who might not know. Uh, oh, he did the gore for Friday Thirteenth. He did all of the... Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah Dawn yeah. of the Dead. Uh, he didn't do Night of the Living Dead, did he? He only did Dawn of the Dead, right? Yeah, he only did Dawn of the Dead. And Day um, of the Dead. Did he do Day of the Dead, too? I think he did Day of the Dead. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, he's just... Like Rick Baker, he's just done so much mm-hmm. to do with right. horror. If if it isn't Rick Baker, then it's probably Tom Savini who's done <laughs> right. it. Right. Or maybe Rob Bottin. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> he also did did all the gore effects for um like all the rotoscoping. I think they did rotoscoping for the Friday thirteenth game. Ooh. Oh nice. He saw, he helped with all the gore effects. Sick. And he designed that skin that you could get on the Kickstarter and you can't get now and it sucks because yeah. it looks so fucking cool. Oh yeah. That game, I wish that game could have been amazing until they were like, well, we can't support this anymore because yeah. court case. Yeah. <laughs> Licensing yeah. issues. Jeez. Yeah, but Tom Savini doing masks is really, really exciting. And you said they had all the yeah. ones from Halloween 3 too, right? Yeah, yeah they do. That's I want amazing. all three of them. Yeah, that's amazing. It's where I'm buying my Sam cosplay from, from the <laughs> But anyway, um, the piece of news that I had, it turns out NBC is uh, creating a pilot uh, called Lincoln that's based on the characters in the book uh, that the movie The Bone Collector was originally based on. Uh, I believe it was 1999, Denzel Washington, Angelina Jolie. Really good movie. I wouldn't call it a horror film, more of a thriller film, but it's a serial killer movie. that, Like I said, originally based on a book series. Uh, God, I would have to look up the author's name now. Um, <laughs> shoot. <laughs> uh, but anyway, look it up. It's a it's a great series. It's a great movie, and so good thing for anyone that's into like psychological thrillers and stuff like that. They're going to be uh, trying to put together a TV series on it, and I'm really excited. I'm going to watch the shit out of that. So something to look forward to in the coming coming weeks and months. The yeah. author uh, is Jeffrey Diva. Thank you. Could not remember it. <laughs> Chrissy always saving her ass yeah. with the facts and the logic. Yes. Uh Oh, uh, yeah, so uh, we we do like to shine a spotlight on, on fan-made horror films uh, because, you know, sometimes you won't hear about them unless you're, like, really into, like, certain horror sites and mm-hmm. stuff like yeah. that. There's a fan-made uh, horror film coming out soon that they released a trailer for called Voorhees, uh, which, um, I'm going to be honest, the plot seems kind of convoluted to me. Yeah, uh, it, it seemed weird, but... I'm all for watching Jason do stupid shit. It's yeah. So 
Yeah, so the plot of it is that there's, like, these bank robbers that, I guess, kidnap these two girls, and they uh, they go and hide out, like, to until, like, the heat dies off at Camp Crystal Lake, and then, of course, Jason is there. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, never! <laughs> We've never watched movies. Crystal Lake is exactly where we should go to hide out. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he kills... People. As he does. <laughs> the plot, they seem to show way too much in the trailer, though, unfortunately. So I hope they haven't shown too much. Right, yeah. I, I don't like it when trailers like give away a whole lot. Like, basically play out the whole movie for you. Mm. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I, any trailer that's over, like, two, like... A minute and a half is too long. Yeah, I'm kind of. I'm. I'm actually lately. I, I've been more of a fan of teaser trailers than anything. Oh yeah, teaser te- trailers te- are always fun. Teaser trailers just give you just a little taste, and they're like, oh shit. Like you kind of know from the teaser whether or not it's something you're going to be really into, mm. unless it's like one of those Marvel teaser trailers where they literally show nothing. It's just like yeah. they reveal the name of the movie, and yeah. you're like, okay, fuck off. <laughs> But uh, that's actually a pretty good segue into what we were going to talk about next, because they have released a teaser trailer for an actual Ghostbusters 3, not not connected to the, the new reboot, the Ghostbusters, uh, the all-women cast one. It's going to be like a, a direct sequel to the original two films, and suspectedly so far, like uh, Ernie H- Hudson has gone on record saying that everyone's in. The original cast is in, the original director's in, you know, except for Sans Hell Ramis, R.I.P., because Hell Ramis uh, I mean, is no longer with us. I mean, they'll probably CGI him in. I, I hope not. I, I hope. I hope. I hope they write it so it's just like either Egon is just gone, he or he's dead, or whatever. I hope they're very respectful about it. I don't. I didn't agree with a lot of the CG that they did in Rogue One. I'm sorry. You know what I no, mean? No. Oh God, the CG they did for the the uh, Im- Empire Fisher. General. Yeah, I can't remember the name. Well, and Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher. Yeah, the, and Carrie, the CG they did for Peter Cushing. Grandma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tarkin didn't like it for me. Was not was not happy about it. I hope they do don't do something like that with Egon. And I have a lot of conflicted feelings about the way that they're bringing the way they're handling the Ghostbusters franchise right now. I don't want to get into it now. I'll talk about it later, probably at a later date. But I I am always excited about anything Ghostbusters related, and an actual Ghostbusters three after this long in development hell. Is something that I'm really excited about. So yeah, I, I have a lot of feelings towards that trailer. I was like, yeah, mm, I don't need uh, like I want it, but I also don't. Ghostbusters has been such a big part of my life that I can't not be interested. And but I, like I said, I know a lot of people are gonna have some conflicting opinions, but that. That's the way the news goes, and Ghostbusters is coming. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, I'm cautiously skeptic about it, but yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a gigantic Ghostbusters fan, but I it could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. about all. I, that's my input. It's, right. That's it. I got you. <laughs> yeah, um, they cast Anne Hathaway in the remake of The Witches, which is based on the Roald Dahl book, as the Grand High Witch that Angelica Houston played in the '90s version. Interesting. It. I like. I like Anne Hathaway. It could be good. I think she's a brilliant fit. She's she'll be brilliant for the role, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, We need a good version of The Witches because it's a really good book, and that '90s version kind of (laughs) sucks. The the makeup in that '90s version 
isn't great. Let's hope they don't it, CG it though. Please don't. Is it over? Is it over the top? Is the makeup like crazy? Is it... Um, <laughs> it's just it's really obvious that it's makeup. Oh, okay. It doesn't yeah, look gotcha. like natural. Like it doesn't look natural. It's it's obvious. Mm-hmm. Let's just yeah. hope they don't CG it and do actually use practical effects. Oh, uh, I I don't think any of us have watched this show before, but I found it quite interesting. Uh, they're releasing a documentary of Dark Shadows uh, called Master of Dark Shadows. Uh, I've never watched Dark Shadows, like I said before, but I think it could be really good, and people who are fans of that show would probably like to know that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just because it's... I don't know. I it, it's really like just reading like the description of it and like what I've heard about Dark Shadows. I feel like I, I it could be really interesting for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm interested as well. Like I kind of want to go and watch the original one now for sure. Me too. Oh, I had I, I actually have two pieces of news for, for to to round this out because I forgot about one. <laughs> we read last night that uh, Netflix is rebooting Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, oh yes. So, yeah, right. so yeah, we're excited yeah. about that because like I, I remember watching a couple of those when I was a kid. Uh, not, don't have like any kind of real affinity towards it, but I'm always into that type of like you know true world unsolved mystery like documentary mm-hmm. style stuff yeah. so i'm excited about that one i love unsolved mysteries yeah see i haven't watched a lot of it so i'm excited to see the new one see and maybe go back and watch some of the old ones too but finally th- this is the weirdest piece of news that i stumbled across this whole week don't know what's going on with it but essentially and uh just to source it i'll tell you i got most of my information from dread central but i also got some of it from imdb so it, this is real Ooh. um they are re-releasing bill paxton's very first film called taking tiger mountain after 40 years they thought this was a movie that was kind of lost to time but they are they found all the footage for it and they're releasing it on um february 10th at the oxford film festival is when it's going to be first aired Read but, the description. Yeah, I'm going to because <laughs> this is this is absolutely beautiful. wild. So this isn't really a horror movie. It's a it's like a post-apocalyptic film. But regardless, here is what it's about. In a dystopian future, American draft dodger Billy Hampton, <laughs> 19, is brainwashed and programmed by militant feminists Already a to ride. assassinate the Welsh minister of prostitution. Fucking and he later makes friends with a bunch of great characters, including a feral child, a gentle prostitute, a sadomasochistic delinquent, <laughs> a hippie dope dealer, a mute nymphomaniac, and Ooh. I don't know how to pronounce this word, so that's why I left it to last, a lovelorn androgynine? Adro- androgynine? Yeah, I know, yeah. What the, I know what it means, yeah. don't know how to say it. Yeah, androgynine, <laughs> But eventually... He is forced to focus his mission and face the dreadful the dreadful dilemma tormenting his psyche to kill or not to kill. Dear God. So yeah, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Shot in Wales and the USA. Sounds like it's gonna be just wild as shit. What planet did this movie come from? It sounds wonderful. Yeah, so. It should be coming to home video or the DVD and, and like home media later in the year after it's aired at the Oxford Film Festival. Something I'm definitely going to be looking coming forward soon to. Coming soon to home video. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> coming soon to DVD and video cassette. <laughs> 
You remember that when they were doing the transition phase and it was just everything was was going to DVD that. and video cassette? Like <laughs> I remember mid to like you remember like two thousands. I remember oh. I remember it being on my Shrek video. <laughs> oh yeah, I have Shrek only on VHS actually. Uh, Somebody. Because I'll stop. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll start that song and not finish it because <laughs> it'll go on forever. Well, it don't we'll get, stop coming. We'll in, get stuck on. Yeah, yeah. And they don't stop coming. They don't stop coming. Oh man, we have derailed <laughs> yeah, entirely. A little bit. Uh, but we got a lot of other cool shit coming because we're gonna be talking about it. Follows. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> Okay, so this week we're talking about something that uh, is actually uh, pretty modern. <laughs> it's For only, once. Yeah, it's only five <laughs> years old. Yeah, uh, we're talking about It Follows, the 2014 uh, psychological horror film by uh, directed by David Robert Mitchell. And you said this is one of his only things, right? As, uh, as, not, as of now. It's not his That's only not- thing. Well, it's not to be confused with David Mitchell, the British comedian that most yeah. people genuinely got confused about over here. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. No, not him. Uh, different guy. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, this is not his only piece of work, but it's like the most notable one. Okay. Uh, so, uh, you know, it unlike a lot of other films that we talk about that have a lot of... Uh, have a lot of history and we can talk about the making of we can talk about the director's other work and we can kind of talk about the legacy and the impact of the film uh this one is going to be different because we're kind of more doing a deep dive analysis of it since there isn't really a a whole lot of history behind it we may not even really get into the cast and crew that much or even the making of or any of that sort of thing because we're really just kind of uh trying to analyze it as deep as we can because it follows is like an ogre and ogres are like onions. <laughs> As oh man! And onions so onions. many people just switched this off. They're like, no, we're not, we're not, we're not doing Shrek jokes today. I'm sorry. Yes, we are. <laughs> but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things about this movie that we need to talk about because there's a lot of uh, facets of it that uh, we can really get into and talk about the details of. Uh, but first, let's talk about. The 80s. <laughs> because the 80s are a very important part of horror history. And I mean, oh, I love the 80s. So. I, ha- I have every one of those We Love the 80s CDs. I have the whole collection. I bought them all uh, <laughs> COD, you know, delivery. Got them all. Shipping and handling is ridiculous. It's like $15. But <laughs> First of all, as somebody who works uh, in shipping... Go media mail, always. Always go media mail okay. if you're doing just CDs. Uh, second of all, <laughs> the 80s are a really important part of horror history because it's kind of a point where horror movies hit their stride. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's not, obviously, it's not this first period where, like, uh, horror movies hit the mainstream, but it was kind of where it picked back up. Mm-hmm. So uh, the 70s kind of saw an interesting turmoil of ideas that, that churned out some franchises that we saw uh, blossom in the 80s. And then oh, yeah. horror movies became very much part of the zeitgeist of the 80s. And a lot of ideas were introduced to horror films in the period of the 80s. So we think of, when we think of the 80s, we do think of horror films at the same time as, mm-hmm. you know, all the other things that we associate the 80s with, uh, like Tears for Fears. Uh, <laughs> you yeah, know, I'm... 
You say 80s, and just in the context of horror, I just think of, like, Splatterhouse, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, a lot of gore, a lot of, a lot of crazy, yeah. vivid colors, like, just all that, just, like, really, really bright reds, really, really deep blue, right. just, like, the way the horror movies looked right. at the time. You think of so slasher good. films, yeah, is exactly. what you think yeah. of. On top of that, you had the laxing of stuff like the Hayes Code. Like, I mean, you kind of had that in the 70s, but, you know... You had the laxing and everything. Everyone was just like, yeah, fuck it, titties, and watching Freddy <laughs> massacre children. Uh, it's fine now. It's the 80s. Let's do some coke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess it was, yeah, it was, it was an age of, like, lax restrictions on stuff. Right. People started mm. becoming a little more comfortable with the what used to be considered taboo. Like, people weren't as conservative as they were back in, like, the 50s and 60s. They got a little more comfortable with more extreme ideas. And, yeah, so I think that that is one thing that the 80s definitely uh, played a part in. Right. And in this current period of cultural change, we are kind of having a fixation on the 80s right now. We very uh, much where- romanticize it. We, mm-hmm. we do romanticize it, and it's just like that same uh, thing that every kind of decade goes into a period of nostalgia about a previous decade. Yeah. Uh, you know, like the 90s were uh, very nostalgic about the 70s, the 80s had that whole period about where they were nostalgic for the 50s. That's where the whole mod thing came from, yeah. like that type of like style and everything, right. you know, so they, yeah. they started getting back into beat culture again, like really strangely. <laughs> Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, beat yeah. culture doesn't resonate with a lot of people nowadays. But back in the '80s, it was just it was that made sense. Right. So yeah, yeah. And and now we're really into the '80s. There's a lot of stuff in popular media right now that's uh, based in the '80s. Like you know, TV shows like Stranger Things or mm-hmm. uh, the Goldbergs yeah. or uh, stuff like that. Or we have movies like It. Or yeah, we I said have... It changed it from the '50s to the '80s. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. And then you, I mean, and you have all this music right now that's very synth pop oriented or mm. it's very new wave inspired and all that sort of thing. We're obsessed with the 80s right now. Mm-hmm. And it follows very much embodies that sort of feel. Mm-hmm. Is oh, it's, it really it does. feels, it's it feels retro. 80s. Just, you're not really entirely sure what what decade it follows is set in it doesn't give you any it doesn't show you a shot of a calendar you no one says anything there's no political references or anything like that but everything about the film is very timeless i like that a lot right that just mm-hmm. very ambiguous i right. guess is a good word but you can you can kind of tell that uh even if there is like kind of anachronisms in it uh that it is very much inspired by 80s films Mm -hmm. and 80s horror films like uh, the soundtrack especially is very uh 80s inspired and i think that that obsession with the 80s in especially it follows being kind of a great example of this we are going through a period with horror films right now that is kind of like a horror renaissance that we are because we i think it's tied very much to uh, our obsession with the 80s right now and how uh, how important the 80s were to horror films and how we're kind of going through an important period for horror films right now where we're releasing so much original material and stuff that's introducing new ideas or taking old ideas and putting a new spin on it and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, I mean, this period... Because there was kind of a dark period for horror films. Like I, I was, was going to say, you know, growing up, I don't remember a whole lot of, like, 
must-see horror films coming out. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, and but but now when I'm you older, had Scream. Yeah, Scream was, but Scream was even like kind of a commentary on horror films. It wasn't right. even like meant to be a standalone mm. horror film, and yet that was one of the biggest one, and it went on to inspire all like the followers, like. I know what you did last summer and Final Destination and stuff right. like that. That all kind of had a similar, very 90s, early 2000s feel. Right. But they weren't standing on their own. They were kind of trying to emulate something else for commercial gain. Whereas right now we're seeing horror movies that are coming out that's like, we want to do horror movies again. Kind of like they did back in the day. Right. And they're definitely referencing... Make horror great oh. again. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> collective groan from can the I, states over here. Can I delete myself? Please. <laughs> How do I delete myself? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's. And when I say dark period, I mean, it's not like there were no good movies coming out for a period of time, but it, basically, I mean the 2000s. There was a. There was a yeah. The 2000s were a dark period for horror films, and it's not like I said, it's not like there weren't good things coming out. I mean, you had The Descent, you had. Slither, which I like, Slither, uh, and it, Slither was yeah. great. You, you do have to think about the the 2000s as an era and why horror films might not have been popular then, because so much other horrible, horrible shit was happening. Right, like we were in the middle of the war yeah. on terror, straight yeah. after 2011 or 2001. Like you couldn't, no one wanted to think about the dark side of humanity of like the world right. at that point. So I think horror had to like take a step back to to some other media, just simply because. People are already scared from everyday life. Yeah. Now we're just pissed off at everyday life. It's like <laughs> we want to be scared again. We yeah. want we want like some fucking emotion was, for once. I want to feel something. Yeah. <laughs> it was also sort of remake and sequel central at that point. Yeah. Not that it's not like that now, as we know with all those paranormal activity films yeah. and all these conjuring films and Annabelle and all those spin-offs. But it was just, oh, hey, this has come out in Japan. We'll remake it. Mm -hmm. That kind of was the 2000s, was just remakes. Right. Yeah. It, I mean, it's hard to pinpoint exactly where it started turning around, and I'm not exactly sure if there was a particular film that kind of uh, sent it over the edge to starting start being interesting again. But, I mean, there was, I would say, like, around 2012 or so is when things started getting interesting again. Because uh, 2012... It's and and I think this is an important film to point out. Uh, mm. 2012 is when uh, Cabin in the Woods came out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, yeah, I'd say post Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. And see, and when I first watched Cabin in the Woods, like that movie is, I was like, what is this movie about? Right. What the fuck? But then you get to the end, and you're like, wow. Like, it, yeah, it was kind of a dark comedy, but it did have so many elements of a classic horror movie, and it just had a good ending. It just like was a commentary on the whole thing, and I, I don't know. I just it was a very interesting film. Uh, yeah. I, it did suffer from Joss Whedon's writing a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But but it was overall okay. Yeah. It definitely kick-started people's love for original horror mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. not remakes, seeing as this is like post-Friday the 13th right. and post-Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Right, yeah. yeah. It, it showed that you can have fun making a horror film again. Mm -hmm. uh, that yeah. you don't you don't have to you don't have to take yourself so fucking seriously, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and so, like in that period, it, and especially when it started mm -hmm. turning around, that's when it follows came out. Came out in two thousand fourteen. So it's like right in that period where oh, we can make good horror movies again, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think I think The Conjuring was important. In that respect, too. I mean, I I know you're not a huge fan of The Conjuring, Chrissy, but I think no. I, I think 
it it's it's an important horror film as far as like bringing it back to like the forefront of uh movie genres do you know what i mean it's like oh, it, it brought yeah. it back uh in insidious was yeah, kind i was about of to say insidious was because yeah. we were trying to pinpoint like the movie and you said cabin in the woods mm-hmm. and then i i kind of settled on insidious as being the one that like if you talk about horror movies now like modern horror movies with anyone that like knows en- enough about movies to care you know what i mean there's right. a lot of people that are just kind of apathetic and the, see whatever. G- the general public yeah right. insidious is one that always comes up yeah. everyone seems to have seen insidious and everyone loves insidious mm-hmm. so i i feel like that's a good that's another one of those good cornerstones, mm. just like Cabin in the Woods, of when the genre itself started coming back into its own after kind of like a little bit of a dry right. dry area. Right. Yeah. So It Follows it comes out in that period. And let's uh, let's talk about It Follows a little bit. If you've never seen It Follows, uh, which a lot of the time we're working under the assumption that if you're listening to the episode, you've seen the movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, and we haven't been doing this for previous episodes, but spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> I, I'd say Mostly because the films that we talked about before, they're all old. Yeah. Mm. Like, if you haven't seen them, this I understand if people haven't seen. Right. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it's only been out for five years. So if you haven't seen it, we get it. Uh, so just, you know, we're just going to say that we are going to talk about some deeper elements of the plot. So there is going to be some spoilers in here just mm-hmm. to let you know. Uh, but the basic premise is uh, there is an entity of some sort that is malicious. That is uh, it is passed through people by sexual encounters it's uh as what you what did you call it chrissy uh we we in in my house me and my dad call it the st demon <laughs> <laughs> uh it's yeah it's a it's a malicious it's entity. A curse. yeah it's a curse that is passed through sexual encounters and basically it's this it takes different forms but it's always a person of some sort uh that is always just walking towards you very slowly and when it reaches you it kills you uh but the the actual story of it follows uh centers around jay uh who's a 19 year old girl who uh has a sexual encounter with uh, a guy named not Hugh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he says his name's Hugh but it's not Hugh. uh it's jeff uh, and uh-huh. And basically, he tells her, he, like, then core forms her and then, like, basically explains to her while she's tied down that this entity is coming after her now because they've had a sexual encounter. And ha-ha. basically... It's like a ha-ha, fuck you. And, yeah. And, but it's really not, though, because it is interesting the way that he does it because the whole premise is that once it kills you, it's going to come after me. So yeah. it, it's not like he could just leave her out to dry, just do it, and then one and done. All right, bye. You're gonna get killed by this thing. No, he actually has to take the time to explain to her, "This is what's going on. If you don't get rid of this, it'll come after me. Get rid of it, please." Right. Like it kind of adds a little bit of an extra element to it that is like he's not doing it. He's not necessarily doing it maliciously. He's doing it a hundred percent selfishly. But it's not yeah. malicious. It's just like, I had to do this, otherwise I would die. Yeah. Now you have to do this, otherwise you're going to die. Pretty much. So it's, it's a very interesting concept. Teen men, like 20 something men, are garbage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And every guy in this is garbage. But we're, I was about to say, th- th- there's an overwhelming feeling uh, that you're going to get from this podcast that all men suck. 
Yeah. And that's not us. That's the movie. That's Sorry. Just, that's just the movie. That's just the way it is. <laughs> yeah. But um yeah, so that's the basic plot of it follows and a lot of a lot of what you'll notice about it follows from the very beginning is that you're not entirely sure what time period it's set in. As we said before, mm-hmm. uh, mm. there so there's a lot of examples of anachronisms in this where you'll, like, so they go to a movie theater, and the movie theater has, like, an organist playing as, like, the intro, like, the, the overture, I guess, and they're seeing Charade, which is, like, a 60s film. Mm, and they still have the curtains over the screen right. and everything like that. And and if you look at it, it's like an old-style opera house movie theater, which right. you don't have anymore, you know? There, I, I remember an opera house, like, when, when I was growing up that, that was converted over to, to stream movies, right. but still didn't have an organist, just had a blank screen in there, and were just... It had the decor, but not like the whole shebang. So it's it really could be one of those fancy, expensive cinemas that are trying to do that retro feel. Yeah, but they don't go that far into it to where you would think that's the case. You just right. feel like they're just seeing a regular movie. Well, it, well, and then there's things from differing eras at the same time. Mm. So we have we have that e-reader that is like a compact, like a little clamshell yeah. e-reader. Oh man, I love it so much. Yeah, it, it's just like. <laughs> Like, I think at the time it was a real thing, but it's also just like it's such a modern amenity. You're like, wait, what's going on here? Mm. And then and then like Hugh's car. And I look this up. It's a 1975 Plymouth Grand Fury. uh, (laughs) It it doesn't fit with the other stuff. And then they're like, like, uh, I think that's meant to be a a, a reference to Christine. Is it? Oh, yeah, because Christine's a Plymouth Grand Fury, I think. Oh really? Oh my oh, god, yeah, okay. that's amazing! Oh wow, okay. I would have yeah. never known that. I didn't know what the what the actual type of car that Christine was. I knew it looked familiar for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. really cool. Oh, that's it's, amazing. Yeah, it's a Plymouth, Christine's a Plymouth Fury. Yeah. Ooh, that's cool. Mm. Well, we just learned some things today. <laughs> we learned and you learned. Yeah. The we more all, you know. <laughs> but also the scene where uh uh. Jay is walking with her sister uh, while she's smoking. They're walking down the street, and this is just a random thing that I noticed, but there's, like, there's, like, cars. There's, like, a fucking, like, Astro van from, like, the early 90s that looks brand spanking new <laughs> that's, like, in the background of that shot. And I'm just like, what year is it? <laughs> <laughs> and, and the fashion is actually pretty interesting, too, because, like, when Paul shirt f- first shows up, he has that, like, weird stripey shirt, that red stripey shirt on, and that's very, like, that looks very 70s, but then everyone else is kind of wearing more modernish stuff. Yeah. But the decor in their house is super 60s, 70s, like, era. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's very, like, and... The only movies they seem to watch are all black and white films, yeah, like, and none of them are notable films, but they're all just really old. So you're just trapped in this weird moment in time that you can't define. It's, it's mildly amazing. inconsistent with the time in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah, it's inconsistent with what era it wants to go for. Right, and I think I think a lot of it actually has to do. I think the point of that whole thing is is for mm. you to not focus on the setting as mm, much. Yeah, is like it's like it, this could happen anytime, anywhere, sort of thing. Yeah, I think I think that's that's the whole point of putting it in mm. like a not clear era. You know, that's normally what yeah. it is. Whenever whenever media uses a lot of anachronisms like this, like TV shows or movies, it's normally to give it that timeless sense. Right. That like, so if you're watching, like let's say you're watching this in 2050, 
you're not like thrown off by, oh wow, this is an old movie. Yeah. Look how stupid that hat is that that guy's wearing. <laughs> you're more just like, oh shit. I got hat. that demon from sex? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got a sex demon? Yeah, so you're not focused on the time period or th this is an old movie or a new movie. You're focused on the story. It's right? just and a so that's movie. a great technique. It's mm -hmm. just a movie. That exists. It's, it's, it, <laughs> out in space. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, well, uh, so a lot of the film, we're not entirely sure what era it's set in, but the music is very 80s inspired. Mm. Uh, it's, it's very, very John Carpenter. It really is. It is, yeah. It's very analog, synth heavy. Uh, a lot of it's really like dark and mysterious. Like I feel like a lot of this soundtrack could be put over a sci-fi film and it would work mm. just as well. Uh, but like the horror stabs and the terror stabs, the meep, meep, that kind of stuff, <laughs> that's very much horror film. And and actually, a lot of the like the synth strings, like the actual stabs that the synth strings are doing, reminds me a lot of the score for uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Mm -hmm. It's very very Friday the Thirteenth esque. Um, but I mean, it's just it's so interesting because it's kind of a weird homage to uh, those 80s soundtracks at the same time, too. Which has to be intentional. Has to be. Yeah. Mm. And I like how it purposely was quiet in moments where you where it where normally something like it, it had those moments where it was like, oh, we're going to play the spooky sounds because Pennywise is on screen. Whereas mm -hmm. this, it knew when to not have sound. It knew Very when to true. it knew when to be quiet and build up that dread. Plus right. the use of like the slow sort of synth soundtrack also built up that dread, which was nice. Yes. I think I think what I liked when I was watching it again, that the music didn't stand out to me as much as I remember from the first time. And I think because I was really trying to get into the movie and analyze it and stuff like that. So the music didn't jump out at me. But I remember if I look back at scenes like when um, th when the woman comes in and she's peeing and she runs upstairs and everything, she's in the room. Like, I, I just remember mm. that the music is there. Like, it, it, it's really droning, mysterious, like, upsetting music. But I don't notice it, because you're trying to put yourself in that character's position. Right. of just, you, You're internalizing all that dread and that fear. And so the music is kind of more of, like, just, like, an ambiance. And it yeah. gets you into that mm. whole horror mindset. Oh, for sure. And yeah. it's so good. So you could sit... You could probably... It, it like leave the movie not even remembering what the music was because like that story was amazing you know right. and then you watch it again you're like oh shit this music is amazing the, too the music is amazing <laughs> I, I would say that the one piece from the music that actually is pretty memorable still is the kind of like the, I guess the main theme which plays it plays right before the 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 swimming pool scene mm -hmm. at the end it's like mm -hmm. where they're walking up to yeah. the swimming pool uh like the wherever the swimming pool is <laughs> and it's like the big huge epic like main theme i, I was guess gonna say, they play that in the beginning too don't yeah they? The, yeah like right when uh the when they're showing those establishing shots of the girl running out of the house right, and then doing yeah. the swivel cam of her running around and then her going back inside right. and then taking the car so mm -hmm. yeah so those mm -hmm. are the moments that like you notice the music and you're just like ooh, what the fuck's going yeah. on it's very effective yeah very effective so uh right. So the the you mentioned the the swivel camera. Mm. So the swivel camera. I mean, there's a lot of great 
cinematography in this. There's a lot of great shots and there's a lot of great just camera angles in this. But the most important and most effective one is what we call the swivel camera, (laughs) which is where the camera is basically on an axis and it just rotates and the shots kind of happen around the camera and the camera is kind of just getting a glimpse of it. It's just rotating around and this things are happening in the shot. It's like a panorama. It's, it's like a panoramic of, yeah. shot. Yeah. And um, this happens about four or five times uh, in in the whole movie. And each one is a very important shot. There's a lot happening in mm-hmm. each shot. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really clever because... Like both of you are photographers, yeah, and and you you understand. I know cinematography is different than photography, but they kind of have similar principles. Like you have uh, rule of thirds, headspace, that kind of stuff. And depth of field. you know, depth of field is used really effectively depth. in this film. Oh, yeah. yeah, oh, depth of field is really important in this. But normally in cinematography, you want to try and keep the subject or what you're trying to convey in the shot. Mm. But it's it, and it's like. In this, it's almost like the camera is, the frame is moving within the scene. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of the scene moving within the frame. So it's like when you see the, like when they do these swivel shots and you see the, the monster walking or you see somebody walking in the distance, you kind of catch it on a glimpse, mm. you know, because it is rotating. It's constantly moving throughout the shot. You're sh- you think you saw it mm-hmm. or you you you're pretty sure you saw it and it's kind of like in the peripheral vision for you and i feel like that perfectly captures like the the idea of like your like you said before your head being on a swivel yeah, mm-hmm. yeah the the way i felt about it was that they were trying to capture the feeling of feeling unsafe of always looking over your shoulder the the monster is always in the background Somewhere, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, there are obviously shots that don't have the monster at all, but you're you're always seeing something out of focus, and like you said, depth of field is really effectively used in this film. Mm-hmm. Like where you're pretty sure you're seeing something in the background, and sometimes it'll focus on it. Like, oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're since it can take the form of any kind of person, you're not sure if it's the monster or just somebody <laughs> just yeah. walking. And you they, know? they do a lot of really good shots of just crowds of people and stuff like that, especially right. when they're on, when they're on the high school campus. That's the most oh, important yeah. one to sure. me. Like those, mm-hmm. yeah. Like through the glass doors, mm-hmm. and then it like it starts when they're going into the room to talk to a person, and it keeps swiveling, and it shows you the glass doors, and it shows you the same people that were making out when they did the establishing shot, and you see some of the other people that were talking, and then you see that one person walking, and you're like, Hmm? And then it just keeps going, and then it settles back down on them talking to the, I guess, the secretary of the school or whoever it is. And you're just like, wait, what? It's still coming for them. (laughs) The first scene where the monster approaches Jay at school, when she's at school, is a swivel shot. And that one is really interesting because it starts out and then you're pretty sure you saw it when it comes around. Mm-hmm. And then it comes around and then it starts to focus. And then you're like, oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Starts to focus on the old woman. And she's just, oh, Lord, she's coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord, she's coming. She coming. <laughs> oh, Lord, she's coming. And she, you know, and, and then she starts to realize, oh, shit. She's looking at me. And the fact that no <laughs> yeah. one else can see her as well, so, you know. 
No one else can see the right. old woman. Just Jay. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, fuck. <laughs> well, I did fuck. I better, better, be, better be moving. Feet don't fail me now. <laughs> better be getting a move on. Uh, see, I, I thought it was interesting. And, and early on, they don't really establish that no one else can see it other than right. people that are infected. Because not Hugh can see it. Mm, right. And so, but he's no longer infected after... They do it. Right. And so I was just like, oh, I guess everyone can just see it at first. But then no one else reacts to it. Like, And they had that good shot of her walking past the girls in the hallway. And the and she just screams out, hello. And the girls are like, hi. And then, the, but the old woman didn't do anything. <laughs> right. And you're just like, oh. Yeah. No one else can see yeah. this. Right. That's creepy. Right. And and so we, we were trying to think of if in like modern or ancient folklore we could find an equivalent to this monster uh like if there was a monster that exists out there uh that only like if you're a cursed person mm-hmm. that only you can see and nobody else can see if it has like shape-shifting properties we were wondering if this was based on something that already existed right uh and what you we did a little bit of research you you researched this a bit Chris, yeah. right uh, um, about it's called the morrigan sh- right shout out to my friend teddy who is a, a genius at cryptids and folklore. Oh shit! I, I wouldn't have, we wouldn't be able to have this without without them. But um, yeah, the Morrigan. All right, well, we we love you, Teddy. We love you, Teddy. I'll just say that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Teddy. Yeah, the uh, the Morrigan was she's a shape shifting shape shifting Celtic goddess of, of death, and she's a tri she she's a tri person. So you can see her in three different forms. As well as the forms of crows and ravens, and Ooh. only cursed men going into battle, if they were going to die in that battle, would be able to see her. And sort of her thing was washing. You'd see her washing your blood-stained armor. She's also known huh. as the washer oh. of the ford, which is another term for it. I have no idea how to pronounce one of the, <laughs> the forms <laughs> but I mean the Morrigan's kind of become a huge thing recently in other like media like mm-hmm. two of the forms mentioned here are referenced in Kieran Gillen's The Wicked and the Divine which is the Morrigan really? and uh, I'm gonna probably say it wrong but the goddess Badby or Bad Bad. I, yeah, I, I don't know how to say it. Michael Jackson's bad? But it's like, bad B. <laughs> it's just... Bad, bad B. So I, yeah, I, I okay. assume it would be bad, like, bad boop or something. I don't know. Yeah, bad boop. We'll call it the yeah. bad boop. She, um, <laughs> that, like, that's one of her. And then you've got the goddess Nemain, which means frenzy, and the other one means vulture. So obviously loads of forms of of death and death deathly right. names so yeah and just just because it's something near and dear to my heart morgan's also the like my favorite character in the death stalker series or the dark stalker series the fighting game <laughs> yeah. and in marvel's capcom and stuff and learning about all of what you just said actually you know lends a lot of 
insight onto why her character's like that. She does turn into like bats and stuff like that. So I, huh. so they definitely base her character around that type of mm. folklore. Mm. And so yeah, it follows. This isn't really that, but this is about the closest analogy that, that I think kind, probably exists. It's kind of a banshee esque because obviously Morrigan is kind yeah. of banshee like. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. Right. yeah, there's nothing really. There's nothing really relatable in that. Uh, in modern like in folklore or anything but they've obviously taken like the idea of like a banshee or the idea of the morrigan and bits and other bits the one that i kept thinking of was a succubus the one that, that's like a a, a demon yeah. that like goes after men and steals their life force and stuff right. like that by seducing Same. them and this is a different this is a different thing other than <laughs> that too i mean like so it's like they took bits and mm. pieces from folklore right and they compiled it into their own unique monster which is really rare in horror nowadays yeah. like mm -hmm. you like some things do that like babadook does that i feel like that's a really original like premise that's kind of like i feel like that's born out of creepy pastas and stuff and just yeah. like you know creepy stories you mm -hmm. just read oh, yeah. just in the dark at night but so i don't know it's such an original concept and an interesting concept and the and ah sorry i, I just like <laughs> this movie <laughs> i like the mythology so, around the D the st demon <laughs> Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So what do we have like uh so I mean since it's not directly related to a piece of folklore, do we have like some theories on the monster? Like maybe origin or like why it takes certain forms or that sort of thing? Um in a more literal sense, it's a literal version of say something, you know, something like an STD. Like it's maybe a personification of that fear. Of the fact that mm, you've got yeah. this thing, and right. it, for example, something like HIV, it can kill you. I think that is that is an interpretation yeah. of it. Yeah, it's, I, it's, I think that's an intentional interpretation. Yeah. I think that's definitely something that the filmmakers intended. Is you know maybe not, not like all horror movies, like we talked about before, all horror movies are an allegory for safe yeah. sex. This one is definitely an allegory but, for I mean, safe one, sex. This one's yeah. an allegory for <laughs> just abstinence. Because regardless, regardless of if it's safe or not, if you fuck someone that's got the that's got the curse, you're fucked. FC demon yeah. coming for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I like. I don't know about the forms that it takes because the forms that it takes almost seem sometimes they're meaningful. The one thing about the way that the the forms that it takes and stuff like that. Not Hugh even says that it's going to take the form that allows it to get closest to you, and we—I feel like there's only a couple scenarios where that's actually the case. Because like in the in the, what's long-haired man's name? Greg. 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 Like it takes the form. Yeah, it takes the form of his mother, and so that's definitely one that he'll open the door for. But in every other one, I wouldn't open the door for tall, no, no eyes man. Like what Would the fuck? Know? So in some in some instances, I think it's taking the form. Of sheer dread. I feel right. like it's just trying to be a malicious entity. You know? It well, it's it's interesting because my theory at one point was when it's in mortal danger, it seems to take the shape of things of people mm. you know. Uh because when when Jay is shooting at it on the beach, it's the form of Yara, mm -hmm. her yeah. friend Yara. And then at the end with the swimming pool scene, mm. it's her dad. Uh, when they're they, she's pretty True. sure they're gonna call, yeah. and they're, it's gonna they're it's gonna be killed. 
Uh, also, interestingly enough, and I don't know if this was intentional or they just happened to use the same actor for it, <clears throat> but the scene where the kid, like when it when it, the demon is a kid and it pops through that hole mm. in the wall, I'm pretty sure that's the same kid that's riding the bike in the neighborhood later. Possibly. Yeah. I it might be one of the neighborhood kids, one attention. of the ones that was peeping at her over the fence. Yeah, but it looked like that kid to me. Mm. So I don't know. It seems like whenever it's either about to kill or if it it is in danger, it looks like it, it takes the form of something familiar to me. But I, I don't know. I, there's not a whole lot of evidence for that. The, the only other thing I can think of is that maybe it embodies what you're yeah. scared of at the time or your vulnerabilities because when she first sees it when it's walking up in like the parking garage or like the dilapidated building whatever it is it's just a naked woman right and she's feeling very exposed at that moment very vulnerable so she's scared not only just because this thing's coming after her but because she was just chloroformed and half naked <laughs> tied to a chair and feeling very vulnerable in the scene where it's the peeing woman I feel like there, there's the implication that she's having thoughts about whether or not she wants to just get it over with with Paul and just be done with it. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? That's the implication that I got is that she's mulling it over in her brain because they're talking about like their first their first kiss. Mm, they're talking right. about looking at porn mags. So I feel like she's mulling over. Do I just give it to him? I know he's willing. Mm. I know he'll do it. But then and then when she's so boy. Uh, oh God, I hate but, Paul. But then when she sees the monster. It's like this half-clothed, like, weird tramp-looking woman with, like, fucked-up teeth and peeing. And so maybe that's how she sees herself at that moment, is just, like, really ugly and trying to just pass this off because it's, like, a fear that she has. And she, You know what I mean? So I feel like it could yeah, just be fear personified. And then, and then when it's the guy with no eyes, that almost looks like Paul. You know what I mean? That just a really tall, no wide version of Paul. And there's all kind of reasons why you can be scared of that stupid son of a bitch. So <laughs> it's an interesting theory. I, I never really thought of it that way. That's that's yeah, an interesting that's interpretation. A, it's a good theory. But yeah. I bet, yeah, but I think yours is also really important in that yeah, when it is vulnerable or when it knows it's about to be hurt, then it takes a, a more comfortable form, one that you're more willing to let it like yeah, get it close slowly towards you. <laughs> A form that you don't want to hurt, like right. a, a parent or a friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the way that they execute it is really well done, and it does allow for a lot of uh, a lot of argument and a lot of debate over it. So, and that's always something that you want from a good horror film. You know what I mean? Yeah. You always want to not know exactly what the motivations or the reasons behind what the killer is doing is. Because right. I mean, it also means you don't linger too long on one monster, so it doesn't get old. Right. Mm, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, because I mean, yeah, any monster movie, especially when it's a monster that's not there like the whole time and it's it's kind of always lurking around the corner, uh, you don't want to see the monster too much uh, because I feel like that reveals too much about it. You know, a lot of the time you don't want to like because like you you there's like certain films where you only see like the glimpse of a monster mm -hmm. and that makes it scarier because yeah. you haven't seen mm. the whole thing. Uh, but in this, like seeing glimpses of it. Like you would rather see glimpses of it than see the yeah. see it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, I don't know. And that's it does make you wonder what it's like. Actual. I mean, I know it's meant to be invisible, but it does make you wonder what it's like. Actual form in inverted commas is right. It's real form. You want to actually know? It's Paul. You want to actually know what I think? 
and this is like a stupid the happening yeah. take on it, but I actually think that it's like germs or air or you know it is something invisible it's like it, it it's like a virus that that floats and yeah it's coming towards you like it's, it's drawn to whatever was left in your body you know mm. what i mean it puts something in your body and it's just now moving towards you from wherever it is but it is invisible it isn't you don't see it but as soon as it catches up to you you dead it's a very scientific and interesting way to think about it. That's the way that, uh, for, yeah. some, for whatever reason, that's the way I've always kind of thought about it. Yeah. That it's not like a real, like, I'm a wolf man, but I look like a pretty lady sometimes to make you get close to me. Like, that's not ever how, I, <laughs> like, if it, like, no one else can see me, but I'm fucking teen wolf coming to get you. Like, that's never been what I thought of it as. I always thought of it as just like, or you could say nano machines, or you know, bacteria, or whatever. Nano machines. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's not get all Metal Gear Solid with it, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's that's how I interpreted it. Yeah. Mm. I think an actual interpretation of it, not a, a literally like literally what it is. I think an interpretation of it, of course, is that it's it's a personification of STDs, but also mm. it's like the personification of like the loss of. Not necessarily innocence, but like childhood, mm -hmm, and like yeah. because that's a lot of what Jay like before. Not Hugh uh, <laughs> chloroforms her. She's talking about how she used to she used to imagine as a kid what it would be like to go on dates and like sit in a car or drive yeah. down the road and yeah. like with somebody that she is dating and like that whole thing is like the the conversation that she's having right before everything changes like in an instant mm -hmm. and so i think like the monster is a very real personification or you know physical representation of a loss of like the changing from being a child to not being a child yeah, you being know what i mean pushed off that cliff mm. into adulthood it right. happens very suddenly yeah. you don't know when it happens but it's like you know like when you have your first apartment or something and all of a sudden i don't have rent this week i'm gonna get evicted you know what i mean that's like a good like idea of that's when you became an adult it's like oh shit i need to figure this shit out now you know what i mean it could be any of those types of situations it doesn't have to be sexual to be like a loss of your childhood mm. you know yeah you'd always talk about that kind of thing with like your 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 girlfriends yeah mm-hmm and especially, especially during high school, when she's, you know, she's in, it's a very, it's a very universal teen issue. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Also, another, I think, another interesting interpretation of it, other than just like a physical uh, personification of, uh, like, the loss of childhood or, you know, the loss of innocence or something like that, is it's literally, it's literally death. Yeah. So as mm -hmm. uh, so as you're becoming not a child anymore and you're getting older, it's like death slowly coming for you mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah, something true. in the background that you're that you're now thinking of because you're getting older. It's it it is quite literally the the personification of death. And, and that <laughs> and that is a good thing because that is something that no matter who you are, you struggle with all the time mm. i don't care if you think about death daily or like once a week once a month once a year even you think about your own death sometimes mm. everyone has to struggle with that right. and that's a universal feeling so having a monster like this that d is slow methodical will kill you when it gets to you no matter what that is you are right that is a perfect 
way to represent just time, just the yeah. creeping of time and your limited lifespan. Oh yeah, for and, sure. And you know, like like an SCD, anyone <laughs> can get it. Um, obviously, unless you're uh, unless you're ace, um, unless you yeah. you know unless you're asexual, yeah. they're gonna yeah. die. Too, like though. death, anyone could easily get an STD with the wrong decisions. True. Right. Yep. You know, so it it works on both those levels. It also, um, I think that I sort of found with with it in a more horror context, it's a reversal of that idea of the, of the virgin being the final girl. Mm-hmm. Because no one, that's not how the 21st century works. True, yeah. Right. Like it the, really, yeah. Like there was still that mild sort of idea in the eighties of like the virginal girl, and that's how she defeated the monster. In this day and age, everyone boning, everyone boning at some <laughs> point. Like, well, I, I feel like sexuality is just not as taboo anymore. Like, yeah, just, yeah. just the sec, the idea of sexuality and of sexual relations is no longer something that has to be pushed to the background and never talked about. Mm. You know what I mean? It's it's much more something that is discussed regularly and that people, even young people, have an understanding of it these mm-hmm. days. I mean, and, very young kids, like, get in. It's how these, like, 14-year-old teen pregnancies work is because mm. it's discussed so often that people know about it. Right. Yep. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's just one of those things that like you said about the final girl thing mm. like jay is the like anti final girl you know yeah. what i mean like it takes the the whole movie takes the idea of that virginal final girl and turns it on its head it takes the whole idea of sex in horror films and turns it on its head like the, right. the whole like way sex is normally portrayed in a horror film kind of gets completely 180 in this you, like you, and it's in this film so you have good. to bone to stay alive right. <laughs> yeah, you got to go to that dick appointment to stay alive <laughs> dick appointment god i love that dick appointment no is it no dick appointment was fine okay. dick, dick appointment sounds like oh, sounds like acupuncture for penises sounds like a news anchor <laughs> i'm dick appointment bringing you the six o'clock news dick appointment can bring you the std man <laughs> woo, uh, woo. jeez Give it to me, Dick. Uh, <laughs> this is something I wrote down about it was so she just got a fuck to live. <laughs> got a fuck to live. Yeah, I think this is something you had said, Isaac, before we uh, had started recording and we were kind of discussing this, is that so many horror films, they use sex as kind of like a side kind of thing that it's like it's in there and it's kind of like maybe the idea is like the overarching idea is about save sex or like yeah. uh, you know uh being being absent or that sort of thing but you you said that this sex is the thing sex is the idea of the whole movie you mm-hmm. know what i mean yeah. it's like the central thing normally either sex in horror movies is either used to be just there and to entice people as like you know downtime in between the gory bits or it's meant as an allegory Mm. for this is why you don't sleep around this is why you need to be safe stuff like that this doesn't take that approach instead this approaches sex as the core concept of the entire thing yeah and that's a really interesting premise to do because that shows that yeah it's like 
it does take a little bit of the stigma away from sex in a way. It shows that, hey, sex isn't bad. Everyone has sex. Yeah. But there are there are consequences there are life consequences and perhaps deadly consequences yeah and so that that's one way you want to take it and then the other way is just like it's not desensitizing to sex but i'm 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 having a hard time like formulating how i want to say that this film takes sex in a horror context to a different level than it used to be yes you know what i mean yeah Yeah. It, it 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 takes sex, like, because a lot of it, like you said, is sex is always kind of the this. It's a very two dimensional thing in horror films, but this kind of takes sex and actually takes a real look at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It says, okay, well, it's not just it's not as it's not as black and white uh, a lot of the time as we as we think it is. As far as like it, the really confusing thing to me about not Hugh. Uh, his his whole character thing the thing is is that he goes on a couple dates with jay before they actually have sex if his whole if his whole idea is to try and get the demon to follow her instead then why wouldn't he just have like a one night stand or like why wouldn't i mean he could still explain it to her having a one night stand do you know what i mean Mm, he could have done the exact same series of events he didn't have to have that whole like leading up to he didn't have that he didn't have to romance her you know what i mean yeah it seems strange to me but there is maybe a deeper context there. Do you maybe, know what I mean? Maybe it's because it, he thought, because of the way Jay is a character, as, as a character, maybe he decided that approach rather than the the you know the hey I'm gonna get you get you drunk in a bar and screw you kind of approach. Because the fact she is still technically kind of young. You know, even though high school over there for you, you know, you guys leave at what, like 18, 19 sometimes? Somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah, so like, even though... Because we leave, we leave it at 16, which is the age of consent here. And obviously 18 is the age of consent in the States. Right. It's still, you know, you're in high school, you think... You still think kind of younger, even if... You know, they are like 17, 18. You still have that mindset of they're younger. So right. maybe he went with that approach because it's more of a... It doesn't look good if you just, you know, one night stand with a, with a high schooler than it does yeah. romancing him a little bit. Maybe that's like the that's idea tr- of it. He doesn't want to seem like that's a true. dickhead. Except he is. Oh. Yeah, oh, he totally is. But the it's also, now thinking about it, it could be that if, if he romanced her and he knows that if it kills her, it's going to come after him, that he really needs to have some level of trust. Exactly. You know yeah. what I mean? So he, mm-hmm. ha- he has to build that trust with her even though he knows he's going to leave her, mm. you know. Because the implication is he's been living with the fear and this for a while because they go to that, like dilapidated house with all the cans and everything mm-hmm. and there's yeah. supposed to be like bone chimes in Skyrim where it lets you know if something's coming <laughs> yeah. into your house or whatever yeah. so he's been living with it for a while so maybe it's maybe that one night stand was like an aberration for him never did it before does isn't really that type of person and even when he's with Jay like has the thought I could just give this to her yeah but he's not that type of person and so he decides to get to know her make sure she she is like level headed enough to absorb the information so he doesn't get killed yeah because he doesn't want to just one and done and then go and then she gets killed and it's still after him or 
flip side of that, he's already done that. And that's why he has that house with all the shit in there. Yeah. Is because he's already fucked and left a couple girls and it killed them. Yeah. Yeah. So he could either be kind of sensitive and, and maybe a nice guy, but still a douchebag, or just the biggest piece of shit in the world. <laughs> That's left unexplained. Well, and I, I'm pretty sure that that girl. Either rule. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, he yeah. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that girl at the beginning is one that he did that to. That's I'm a pretty, good point. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what that's what's going on there. Damn. That's, yeah. Uh, and and that's I think that theory that he's probably done this a couple times is probably the correct one. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. that makes more sense then. Yeah. Okay, I just kind of pieced that together on like just now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all connected, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I do want to mention, before we kind of close it out here, that uh, all of the men suck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they all suck. I want to break down each guy a little bit and just say why they suck. Uh, <laughs> Paul, Paul is an incel nerd. Uh, that really, he's oh, he's such a nice guy. Uh, I just, oh, I don't. She won't fuck me. She won't. He won't give me the STD one. <laughs> it's their, it's their relationship is really personified in that one scene where after Greg dies, uh, he goes to reach for her hand and then he goes to try and kiss her and says, "I want to <sighs> help you." And she Ugh. said, and she says, "Do you?" Yeah, it's like, no. You want to help Gross. yourself. You don't even care yeah. that this is about to happen. You want to hop my brains yeah. out, Paul. <laughs> and like, you can even Paul, you just want some. You can even see it Gross in the scene. Man. You can even see it in the scene where they're just sitting around watching a movie. Like after she gets out of the pool, she walks off, and he's just like staring after her. And what's the sister's name? The, the... Kelly, I think. Yeah, like yeah. she just like gives him this look, like. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding yeah. me? Like, get over it, man. Like, uh. yeah. I mean, it, they get together in the end, but I just, I don't think, I don't think they should have. Yeah, no. Uh, I mm. there's, I just have a lot of issues with it. But uh, Greg, I hate Greg. Really hate Greg. What, what, uh, what's on your notes? Uh, Greg's not even hot. Greg is kind of lame. Oh, man. Nothing about him is... Like, oh god his whole motivation for <laughs> sleeping with her in the hospital and then just be like uh, whatever it don't matter it's, it's whatever yeah it's not even like, real oh, yeah like he doesn't even believe in it that's uh, the thing like he he is he's working under the guys that he's trying to help her and then he doesn't even believe in it like that's what he says to Paul he's like is I mean I don't know if it's even real like like it's it's the same reasoning that she didn't want to be with Paul because she, uh, I mean after she realized that Greg didn't really care and you know? one yeah. thing about him being one of the people that dies from this is you already know he's with multiple women throughout the whole thing right like there's the woman that that, that says that family's a mess like yeah. when they're in his house and then there's a woman in the car right before he goes to see what's up with them. Yeah. He's with another woman. Right. So that's a pretty good personification of the monster and its effects and the type of person that's going to die from it is that he's just sleeping around. He just doesn't give a fuck and not thinking about the consequences of his actions. Yeah. And and that could also be an allegory in general for like though those kind of blokes. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, reiterating that. The kind of blokes that know that like maybe they have got like chlamydia or something. Oh, and they go around yeah. and have that. Oh, but, but I don't like using protection. Oh, fuck right off! 
doesn't because, feel the same. Shut. Because men are just disgusting. I hate <laughs> that. I hate where that conversation went. Boy, yeah. howdy, do I hate yeah. that. And yeah. so, like, <laughs> there's that whole thing of that could be a literal. Like I said that again, him dying from that is a almost literal interpretation of that. Good right. comeuppance. <laughs> yeah, he, he deserves it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. I, and I mean, he didn't like. He was not. He was not being careful. Like he was. He thought it wasn't real. He didn't think that he should be worried about it, and that's what got him in the end. Yeah. Is because he just didn't care enough. Mm-hmm. He was he was not being careful, which brings us just just be glad the demon isn't like just it immediately turns into a baby. Just be uh, glad. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, yeah. But that brings us to uh, Hugh, not Hugh. Yeah, not Jeff. Hugh. <laughs> Jeff, not Hugh. I think this the, is the first time we used his real name the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Jeff, yeah, not not Hugh. Not Hugh is. Uh, my notes say not Hugh is a tool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we just say all the men are garbage. Yeah. yeah. And we've already kind of explored not Hugh a lot yeah. actually. So mm. you know, basically, that he probably was screwing around, got this. Already got a couple women killed, right. and still lives with his mom. Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I had to say. What a tool. What a fucking what loser still lives with their parents. What a fucking scrub. <laughs> that was not break. That was nothing about you, Chrissy. I'm sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> Doing that for comic effect. Okay. Yeah. Unbreak. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, but uh, the thing is, I mean, just everybody, every ma- man in this sucks, and I think, I mean, I think that's the point, is because yeah. it's, it has very, very strong feminist undertones. Definitely. I mean, there's a lot about, there's a lot about Jay, especially after the whole thing with Hugh happens, not Hugh, mm. uh, <laughs> happens where she is like, she's now, she wears, She's more conservative with her clothing, definitely. seemingly, after that. They make uh, a big deal about her getting dressed for that date with Hugh, and she definitely is trying to dress, you know, nicely, and uh, in, a, in a fairly vulnerable way, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you, you're on a date, you want to look attractive and everything like that. She, Yeah, she doesn't do that afterwards. She's much and more then, guarded. And especially, you always get told, show a bit of skin, mm-hmm. and it's like, like, that's always been weird to me. The, yeah. the, mm-hmm. People always go, oh, you should... You know, you should wear something like not low cut, low cut, but wear something that shows off everything. And it's like, mm-hmm. just don't tell people that. <laughs> right. Well, the point is, don't dictate what people should wear. Absolutely. Uh, is pretty yeah. much the 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 beginning and the end of it. <laughs> but I mean, she she has like those reservations after that whole thing happens where there's that scene where she's in the bathroom looking at herself and she she's like she like pulls her underwear open and is just looking down like just am i sure about anything about my body anymore you know what i mean like you know it's and and those must be real things that you know, women undergo, you know what I mean? Yeah. Real yes. feelings. I feel like a lot of these things that are explored in a, kind of a roundabout way in this movie because it's a horror film. But it definitely, just like Black Christmas did to a certain degree, it mm. explores a lot of the, like, the the just vulnerabilities and the just, the things that women have to go through on a day-to-day basis that the a lot of people don't think about. The shit that men put women through. True. <laughs> the, well, the shit that the world put, puts women through. Yeah. Not really just men. I mean, it's not, because... Society as a whole is not just made up of men. I think I think no. there's a lot of women on women 
like you know uh, oh. not, like women on women hatred's huge yeah exactly yeah. not really hatred I was just gonna say uh, I, I can't think of the word but you know just um Women enforcing the patriarchy. Yeah, well, well yes. women enforcing the patriarchy, women enforcing what they think women need to conform to in order for society to be comfortable with them and everything. And so I feel like women have to struggle with that on a day-to-day basis. Oh, yeah. and it all garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this, does, this really does a, a really good job of portraying those feelings. Right. And for, a, in a way that not women can pick up on. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Because, yeah. I mean, we're picking up on this type of stuff, and, you know, obviously Zach and I are not women. And so <laughs> no. it's just... <laughs> so, But we're picking up on this, and we're, we're noticing little things about, you know, that experience, that part of the human experience. And I think that's really effective, and if any movie can do that, that's a solid film, yeah. you know? <laughs> For sure. So uh, what are our uh, favorite moments? Um, Definitely the pool scene. That's... I know that's really basic, but the pool scene is one of the like the best shot scenes in the it's film. It's really good. It is really good. Yeah, yeah. Just when pool's... all the lights go out and just like <laughs> I don't know, just the the color palette kind of changes when the lights are off and stuff. I don't mm-hmm. know. I had one of those sort of like <laughs> moments while I was watching it. Like there was there was that powerful sense of dread right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's a very it's dread filled that yep. whole scene mm-hmm. for sure. What's yours? Mine, I, I love the beach scene. The whole beach scene is my favorite from the part where you see her walking up in the in the background with out-of-focus camera. Love that part. I love the, the little kids crawling through the hole that he, he breaks in. But my absolute favorite part of the beach scene is when she grabs the gun and she starts shooting at it. <laughs> But yeah. everyone else doesn't see anything. And fucking stupid ass Greg, he takes cover behind a fucking like lawn chair. And I'm just like, <laughs> what the fuck did you think this was gonna do? Good job, like, Greg. Turn out, turn idiot. Out the <laughs> great, great job, Greg. You're you're a choice boy. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that that's hands down my favorite scene. Also, when I was rewatching it, I totally forgot about that part where fucking Paul goes up to hit it with the chair and it's just like, no, nah, bitch, and just like fucking <laughs> hits him so far away. Yeah. I was just like, oh, fuck. Like, I, when I was watching it, I audibly was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> knocked the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, and I don't think we ever really do this intentionally, but mine is different than both of yours. Uh, my favorite scene is the very first scene uh where the monster is the old woman and mm-hmm. it's coming towards her and it's That's that swivel so shot. Good. Yeah. yeah. Where, where she just, show. yeah, when she's in class, just sitting in class and then she's just like, wait, what was that? Mm-hmm. And then she sees that the old woman is just like, you know, an oh, old woman. <laughs> she has like a knee brace on too. Like, yeah. I don't understand some of the accessories and closing options it takes like form of. It's just so eclectic and weird because the, like the woman that's peeing has like one sock and one boobs out. <laughs> or just, and then like, I, I don't understand. <laughs> or just naked guy on the yeah. room. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, no, I like that, that we amazing. all have different thoughts on what's a good scene though. I think, yeah, and that's been a pretty consistent thing. And we don't, we just for our listeners, we don't talk about that beforehand. No. Like, I mentioned to Zach what my favorite scene was, just because I think it's funny. But I certainly didn't mention it to Chrissy, and most of the time we don't discuss it at all. We all just have different things that pop out at us in every movie that makes us be like, that's why I love this movie. Mm. And so... Just FYI. Just p- PSA. That's all that was. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I think that's all we have for this week. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to unpack here, and we probably didn't get to to everything that it, everybody wanted us to talk about. But this is this is the stuff that I think is the most uh, salient uh, stuff that we should that we we wanted to talk about. So yeah, I feel mm. like this is the only movie that we've done so far that I feel like we have still only scratched the surface right. of it. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? We can, I feel- we can always return to it at a, at a later episode if people request. So that is for true. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, so we uh, have a lot more episodes planned. <laughs> uh, we've we've planned so many, uh, and we got we have so much more stuff on the horizon that we just we want to talk so badly about. And I'm sure you guys you guys will love it. Hey guys, did y'all know that we like movies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And some of the episodes that we have planned are not even about movies necessarily. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but and we won't get into it. But there is some stuff that we have planned that's not even about movies. It's just about other horror stuff that we think you'll really enjoy. Uh, so yeah. we're really excited to do that stuff. And we're yeah, excited so, uh, that 24 of you have subscribed to us. Uh, <laughs> I was flabbergasted, in fact. <laughs> 24 uh, may not seem like a large number to some, but it's way more than we ever thought would be interesting. <laughs> 24, yeah. 24 independent, free-thinking human beings want to sit down for an hour and listen to us yammer. So yeah. like, I'm, I'm super flattered, guys. <laughs> I'm impressed with myself. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thank you. We love you. And um, as always, you can always check out our social media. I never remember them, but Zach always has them on lock. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we're on Twitter. We're on Twitter at... PC of the dead uh, we're on Facebook you just search uh, fa- uh, podcast of the dead on Facebook we have a Facebook page uh, we have an Instagram now uh, it's at PC of the dead uh, I think Chrissy's taking care of that yeah. one because I'm not on Instagram much yeah. <laughs> I, I, I run that baby oh yeah and uh, of course we have a Patreon uh, which uh, like we said we're, we're still thinking about tiers if we ever do get enough people to contribute to it uh, and I don't know we've talked a lot about different tiers but mm. remember if you pay enough you can choose what porn I watch yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you pay enough you get a live stream my cat Yep. Now that again, I'll pay money to our own Patreon for the live stream of a cat. So, <laughs> yeah, and our Patreon, of course, is uh, Patreon.com/slash/PC of the Dead, uh, and that's also on our Facebook page and our Twitter. You'll be able to see that. Uh, just it'll be in the links to it, in our bios and all that sort of thing. So it's pretty easy to find. Uh, but uh, we love you. Love you. Have a wonderful weekend or any time of day that you are watching our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because listening, should I say? Listening. Wait, wait, they understood. It's fine. Everything's fine. Because <laughs> you could be listening to this 17 years from now. Wow. And well, we don't know Ooh. why. But if you are, <laughs> then uh, we love you and have a great day. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Peace out, lads. <laughs>